Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. We're broadcasting this live on a Tuesday night on what we call the Nonprofit Chat. People are watching us on Facebook and people are coming into the, web, the webinar and learning how to be better leaders in this social benefit sector. It might be clergy, might be nonprofit executive directors, it might be people who lead associations like chambers of commerce or membership associations, affinity groups. We're doing really important work and it's more important now than ever before in history. And it's important that we learn how to cut through the noise out there of all of the messages. How do we let people know about what we're doing? We have an incredible panel tonight. Russ and I will interview these people and, and, and we're gonna ask them some really, really pointed questions about their areas of expertise. And what are some things that, that you wanna learn? Send us some questions. What are some questions you have that would help you be a better leader in this aspect. Now, remember, leaders are good at delegating. This doesn't mean that you need to have all these expertise, these skills, missed that word. It means that you need to find somebody, but you know what it is you want because this is gonna help you understand the leadership piece of PR. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask folks on this panel to introduce themselves, to talk about their area of specialty and why do you do this? Doug Brown, I want you to start out. You got that nice little beard there, a handsome beard. Start out, tell people about Doug Brown and the, both the LinkedIn piece and the Newswire piece, please, please. Well, thanks, Q, for having us all today. This is, uh, these are topics that are near and dear to my heart, obviously, but uh, I've been associated with Newswire, which is a press release distribution business uh, for about seven years, eight years now. So I'm actually editor-in-chief at Newswire, which means that I'm the guy that's ultimately responsible for the content that we put up. Newswire is a press release publication service. So most of our clients are, are either businesses or enterprises of some sort, or even agencies that want to uh, broadcast their news out to the public. So one of the challenges that everybody has nowadays is that, you know, your local paper isn't quite what it used to be. And, and uh, you know, there's just not as many people home with print media anymore. And so most people get their information online. And um, Google News and some of the other online news services have really soaked up a lot of that uh, traffic and a lot of the uh, you know, a lot of the information that's distributed nowadays is found online through places like Google News. Newswire uh, is a way that you can self-publish your news to the world, both to, you know, media outlets that you'd like to have take your story, as well as, even more importantly nowadays, putting it online with Google, with Google News, so that as you... Uh, as you write your stories, as you write your information, as you as you talk about your events and your the people and the different things that you do, uh, news is available to people that might be interested in what you have to say. So that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. The second part of that is is kind of LinkedIn, uh, which 
I don't think is really what you want to talk about today, but we've grown uh, Newswire to a huge extent through using LinkedIn. And so we've become kind of expert in how to use LinkedIn to grow uh, to grow a business and business business stuff. But uh, we can talk about that. Maybe if it if it becomes important today, we can talk a little bit more about that or or another time, and we can we can talk more about how to strategize with LinkedIn. But but I know that the panel today is really kind of centered on on press and getting you know getting earned media and and getting your story out there. And so that's kind of what we do and what uh, you know what my day job is 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 getting uh, people's stories out on Google News. Absolutely. And every time I talk to um, Doug, I learn, I learn things. And so, um, yes, you're an expert in LinkedIn and that's, that could be peer to peer conversation. So yes, there is a session of the nonprofit chat where we interview you. Um, Russ and I worked you over, we asked you hard questions and you did great. Um, so there is an episode a few weeks ago about LinkedIn. So people can go to that episode of nonprofit chat, go to nonprofitchat.org. And if you register, you can see all the past sessions, or you can find the Nonprofit Exchange, which is the podcast. And those will be in the notes. Just go to nonprofitchat.org, and those links will be there. So, um, Doug, who should we call it next? Shannon. Shannon, talk about your area of expertise. So, I have been able to successfully attain over um, $3 million in free press. Uh, learned the skill from producing hundreds of events and has found that there is thousands of dollars in publicity out there waiting for everybody. Um, you don't have to be a nonprofit, but nonprofits definitely have an edge to do that. I also love helping people develop what I call an expert power bio, which is a great way to um, attract people that, you know, or get people to pay attention, attract clients, attract donors, and those are kind of the areas I love to focus on. Lovely. And um, I speak at your events, you speak at my events, and um, we have a good time helping each other promote events. And we're looking at doing something, uh, ramping both of those up. So I, I appreciate our collaborative relationship over the years. I guess we've known each other for seven, uh, 10 years, 10, 11 years for a long time. I met you at an event called CEO Space. You had the Santa Claus hat on. Uh, yeah. So I remember that. Yeah. Ashley Bernardi, we have, this is the first time we've been face to face. We've spoken numerous times and you've referred people to me and I determined in the first phone call, you knew what you were doing. So <laughs> talk a little bit about your agency and what your thank specialty you. is. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here on this panel of all these experts. I'm thrilled. Um, so I am the founder and publicity director of Nardi Media, which is a full service media relations firm where we specialize in television, radio, TV, uh, podcasts, print online placements for clients. And I work with, I have a special place in my heart for nonprofits. I work with nonprofits. I have a passion for working with nonprofits. I also work with book authors. I've worked with large corporations and small corporations and individuals. Um, and, and it's, People come and hire me specifically to get them placed in the media. So what I do is I, I let's say there's a nonprofit that has an event coming up where they want to, um, like a race where they want to drive registration. They come to me and they say, well, what can I do? And I put a press release together and I do all the media outreach, whether it's bloggers and 
print online, get, get TV placements and radio interviews and, uh, and then coverage on site. And so what I find is that the nonprofits need help. They need the publicist to, to, to get there. And that's why they bring me in. Um, but before I was a publicist, uh, my, my background is in journalism. I was a network news producer at CBS News for several years. And then I hopped over to um, an energy and environmental show that aired on Bloomberg uh, TV. And I've also freelanced at the Washington Post. So I spent a decade in journalism before I crossed over. Wow. Um, media relations and that's like you, you asked about my secret sauce what is my secret sauce it's sauce is that I've been on the ground I've been in the newsroom I have the edge because I know what it takes to relate to these producers and reporters and how to write a pitch that they're actually going to listen to so um so that's that's who I am and and what I do outstanding thank you for making time to be here tonight um Bill Gilmer you got a little bit extra twist. Bill and I have a relationship. He's a sponsor for CenterVision Leadership Foundation. Bill owns a mailing house that also has a really good graphic design, copywriting, and uh, print house. And we stay in touch with people through print media. So this is a, this is the same kind of thing, but it's not online. It's print media, but you also have a way to follow up with email. So, Bill, talk about WordSprint and your area of expertise, please. Yes. Uh, hey, Ashley, by the way, my background is journalism also. Years ago, I was at the Wall Street Journal back in the awesome. early 80s, so I, to portray my age. Love it. I love it. That's great. Yeah. Um, our data is based on about 20 years of uh, being a print shop. We were a print shop from the mid-80s to the you know, early 2000s. And uh, at that point, we realized that uh, printing was being commoditized. Uh, it was on the way out, so to speak. We needed to do something to bring more value to our clients. So we started looking at the pieces that would flow through our shop and realized that 70% of them were marketing and fundraising pieces for nonprofits. So we started chasing this information upstream, interviewing executive directors, finding out which campaigns worked and which didn't. And over the course of several years, we were able to pinpoint what works and what doesn't when it comes to maintaining donor relations. So I'm gonna give everybody our, uh, you know, 10 years of research in the next, you know, 50 or 60 seconds. So this is a, a gross distillation and those of you that have been doing this for a while are gonna look at me like, well, duh, Bill. <laughs> but here's what it is. The clients that we have that are successful, the nonprofits that are able to maintain, sustain robust donor relations, do three things extremely well. And they don't pay too much attention to anything else. And those three things, no surprise, one is having the right message, articulating that cause, having that branding, being consistent with that articulation of that message, the right message. The second, no surprise, is the right people. The right message to the right people. That's marketing 101, right? The right message to the right people. This gets a little thornier because people means databases and databases are out of date. 
I guarantee every one of your databases is out of date, and I guarantee you mine is even worse. It's the nature of our society. But uh, it's extremely important that a nonprofit organization create a database culture where every time they touch a prospect, touch a friend, that that information is recorded and that their database is updated. So we spent a lot of time working with databases and data acquisition and all that stuff. The third part of this, and the one that kind of surprised us when we studied it, is that it's the right message to the right people, but also with the right rhythm. There is something about rhythm that is, it's almost spooky. It's kind of like humans on this planet thrive when it's rhythmic. What we say internally is that rhythm builds trust. We have so many clients that have had the right message to the right people, but they don't nail the rhythm side. And so they do it sporadically. They do the big blast one fall and it doesn't work very well. So they come back and do the big event next winter and that doesn't reach their expectations. So they come back and do the big email thing in the spring and that doesn't quite work. What they're missing is that it's rhythm. And sad sad part is that it's a rhythm that we feel our data shows needs to be sustained about three years before it really snowballs. So that's what we advise people to do. Get the right message to the right people with the right rhythm. And then it becomes a budget issue because you've got to be able to sustain it for three years to get that snowball effect. To sustain it for three years, you simply adjust the scope to match the budget that you can sustain for three years. So it's a neat little system. Uh, you know, it's better to market, to fundraise, to reach out to donors like 500 people rhythmically than it is 50,000 in a blast. So that's what we help people do. We help them come up with a budget, with a, a, a rhythmic pattern of these touches. And these touches can be print, they can be email, they can be text, they can be events. And we help our clients coordinate this into a pattern that is rhythmic and builds trust. So that's kind of our area of expertise is our uh, rhythmic donor relations, I guess you'd call it. Well, and what I've learned from you is, is in, in a year's pattern of the regular mailings, that it's, it's content that's not asking for money until you've done a year of that. And then you've, right. you've, you've so I think with all of what we're talking about with PR, this is not marketing. This, this, is, this is really staying in touch and informing a tribe and then growing that tribe. So I want to go back around, and I'm going to ask yes. Uh, yes. Now I want to ask each of you to to, to give me uh, two things. What is the number one question people ask you about about this this topic of PR? What's the number one question they ask you? And answer that. And then what what would be your answer to that? And then the second part is what should they be asking you? What's the number one question they should be asking you? And what's the answer to that? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Shannon first because I like her and I can pick on her. So what's the number one question people ask you about publicity? And what's the, what's the what, answer to that? You know, what is the question? What's your answer? And then what should they be asking? Well, uh, people often ask, how do, you get, how do you get free publicity? How do you get your story in the media? And, um, and what's the strategy? And so... Um, I've developed a simple system. It's not an AP style press release. There's many ways to do press releases. So Hugh, you have not been doing them wrong, but there's, there's many ways to do it. It's a, it's a simple format, one page, double space, 
um, three paragraphs and literally anybody can do it. It's all about you know creating that tagline that sizzles and, and getting some important facts at the beginning and, and reaching out to the press and having it more of a story than an advertisement really avoiding words like, you know, I have a book called Media Magic. I would, instead of that, say, I'm an author. And doing what you can to stay away from what would appear to be advertising, which is really difficult for, for individuals. Um, what I think they should be asking, and it's one of the most difficult things that people have, you know, have a challenge doing, is creating their bio. We have the most difficult time writing about ourselves, talking about ourselves, and really showcasing who we are. And I found that when people complete that process and actually create one that sizzles, it can double their income, it can double their impact, and it can really get people to pay attention. And then the bio is something that I've found, um, I've used it with proposals, I've used it in so many aspects of my business, so I don't have to talk about myself. And people can pay attention. So if there's a question they should ask is, how do I move beyond those barriers of what's stopping me from writing it. All right. Why don't you pass it? Choose somebody to pass it to now. The next one. I want to hear from Ashley. Ashley. Hey, thanks, Shannon. All right. So um, I love that. And I did you? I was nodding my head the whole time as you were speaking. I was like, yes, yes, publicist to publicist. Um, so for me, I would say a lot of people ask me. Can you get me on national TV? <laughs> Can you get me on the Today Show? <laughs> um, but no, in all reality, what I wish they would ask is, you know, like, how can I refine my message? How can I boil down my message so that it is conveyed in a way that the media understands it and in turn they report it correctly? So, um, Bill, you talked about, you know, just getting having the right message. Um, I think that's so important for anyone, but especially for nonprofits. Um, in order to get there and to put that like secret sauce that gets you the earned media, um, like what you said earlier, Shannon, is we don't want to make it sound like an advertisement. So instead of selling your story, like let's really tell the story. So how do we do that? I have found that identifying those real human interest pieces. Um, maybe it's not the CEO of your nonprofit organization. It's somebody who has benefited. So whether it's someone, um, you know, whether it's a nonprofit that works for cancer or works for a religious organization or veterans, I'll use veterans as an example. But who are those veterans that you have worked with that, that the money that you've raised has gone to? See if they're available for interviews in addition to your CEO. So it's about identifying the right spokespeople and making sure your message is heard to the right audience. Um, and also in do, and a couple other components now that I'm thinking of it is, you know, finding the right spokespeople and making sure that your audience, and let's say you're pitching local TV audience, it's a very general public. So they want to know that it's relatable to everyone. How can we make this story relatable to everyone? Um, not just maybe people, or how do we make them care in particular about the nonprofit that you're working for? Um, so one way I do that is by finding local data and statistics um, around the cause and I'll use like diabetes for an example and I'm in the Washington DC area so I find you know when I'm working with um, an organization that is raising money for diabetes awareness I try to find specific stats 
and data on the number of people in Washington, D.C. who are suffering from diabetes and how that number is going to grow and increase over the years. That makes me, a viewer, a member of the audience, really kind of turn my ear and care. Like, this is going to be a problem. It's a problem now. It's going to be a bigger problem. And this organization is doing something about it. So while you're putting the pitch together, you present the problem, and then your nonprofit is the solution that's doing something about the problem. So a lot of that comes back down to the messaging and getting your message right, but also refining your pitch um, and, and getting the pitch right so that um, a producer is going to book it. Wow. That helps. There's a lot of skill in making that pitch, too, isn't there? The oh producer. yeah, there's a lot. I mean, Shannon, you know, there's so much go. It, it's an art, and that's why I love doing it um, because it's essentially you're writing a news story, you're writing the news piece, so that when the producer is reading it, they see it as I can. They're, they're visualizing it as a news story itself. So it has to almost be written in that way. It needs to be short and sweet. The who, what, the when, the where, and it also, if it's a local pitch, always, always, if it's a local pitch, you need to have local data and statistics. There needs to be the news peg and the news hook to make it relevant and to create the urgency um, for a producer to say, I want to, I want to tell this story and I want to tell it tomorrow. What were those two terms? News peg and news hook? News peg and news hook. Were you explaining yeah. for this? So, yeah. Yeah. So a new. Okay. So that's a great question. So a news peg and a news hook. Let's say I'm going to use, for example, you know, we're trying to raise money for, you know, healthier school lunches, right? What's the news peg there? We have back to school season coming up. That makes it timely and relevant to tell that story. So I use back to school as as. All the kids in Washington, D.C. go back to school. One nonprofit is working on getting healthier lunches implemented in schools. Do so you see how that works? That's my news peg or my news hook. Love it. Love it. All right. Who are you going to call on to go next? Call oh, oh, let's see. Me. I get to call. All right. Doug, you're up. Well, thank you. <laughs> So the question that I'm asked uh, most often is kind of the same question I think that uh, that Ashley and Shannon have both talked about, and that is how I can get in local news. And um, the and you know they've really answered that question. The the horrible part about it that both of them will uh, readily attest to, and that is you just can't really put a dime in the machine and make no, local news happen, no matter how good you are no matter how good you think your story is, no matter how important it is, uh, sometimes there's just nobody home. There's no room for it, there's no time for it, there's no whatever, it just isn't gonna make it onto your local station. So what I wish they would ask me is how do I build my brand? In other words, how do I, how do I make it happen? How do I get awareness out there so that I'm not living or dying? You know, I mean, if you, if you go, if you're dark and silent for 12 months and you have an event in, you know, that's coming up in two weeks, the chances of you really getting a lot of news about that and getting uh, free support somewhere on two weeks notice is, you know, it, it's, it's tough unless you have a big budget, unless you're really skilled at doing it or whatever it happens to be. And what, so what I wish people would talk about is how do I build my brand and build awareness year round? And how do I keep a constant flow of stuff going out there so that people understand what we do and when, uh, I do have an event, uh, you know, I can get a little more traction for my story because I'm not an unknown. I haven't been dark for 12 months. So 
pretty quick, but I think that's really it. You know, I mean, I get, I get hit with, how do I get it out there? I've got something coming up day after tomorrow. It's a horrible question. There's not usually a good answer for that. And what I wish they would ask is how do I do it year round so that when my event comes up, somebody cares. Well, there's, there's a lot of consistency with all, each of you and some of these, some of these themes. So, so, um, Doug on the, on the, the content piece, that's really important as well. Cause I know trying to put things in your platform, you're really picky. I mean, your, your editors really look at it and you have some really high standards picky in a good way because you want, you've, you've got the newswire brand. You want to make sure there's consistency in how you're delivered. So you're within your brand of newswire. People have to be clear on their brand. Yours is sort of a delivery system. But I, I see all kinds of messages come out, and I don't think they're consistent with the brand image that people want to portray. So speak yeah. a little more about that. Our, our message can actually contradict our brand, can it? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, this is something that anybody can do. You just to sit down with, the, with a piece of paper and you say, you know, who am I? What do I want to be? What do I want people to know about us? What do I want? How do I want my organization portrayed? What is my overall brand? When we say brand, that's a bad word. Maybe I should have backed off on that a little bit. I mean, brand is not Coca-Cola. Uh, you know, uh, Bill has a brand. Ashley has a brand. We all have a brand, and that is, you know, kind of who we are, what we do, what we stand for, what we try and, and portray, how we, how we present ourselves to the public. So individuals have a brand that we can work on. Uh, companies have a brand. You know, whatever it is, we, when we talk about brand, we talk about, you know, really our core values and what we want to portray as being our core values and what we're all about. And so, uh, you know, my message to people is to consistently build that brand. And you don't have to have huge news events to do that. You know, you can talk about hirings, you can talk about uh, initiatives, you can talk about all sorts of little things that build towards that same peak and that same brand of, of portraying yourself in one way or the other. Uh, and that way, if you've built your brand, you know, when you have the, the 10K run on, on August the 14th, uh, you know, I mean, it, it resonates. It, it has to be consistent with what you do, and the event has to match kind of your brand and what you're trying to get done. And that's what you need to work on is, is being consistent and building your brand, putting consistent news out there. Even additions, like I say, something is as, as insignificant, so to speak, as, as a new hire uh, can help you build your brand. And you just put all that stuff out there on a consistent basis and at that point, you know, when, you know, one of the great opportunities that we have nowadays is to kind of manage our brand on the internet by putting lots of information out there that we put out there. Um, and sometimes we have to do that depending on your business. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to counteract uh, the quote unquote reviews that, that pop up and the, and the snarky little things that people say. So, so uh, nobody can be, you know, 100% delivery all the time of all their good stuff so you know what you need to do is make sure that that you're building your brand you're building your presence you're putting your narrative out there so that when people look they find what you have to say rather than you know what the one in a hundred disgruntled uh, donors or customers or whatever it happens to be uh you know that that may take the stage and may blast their information out there. You want to make sure that you consistently put your stuff out there so that you build a brand, you build a platform, you build 
kind of a level of what you are, what you're all about, so that when you have the event, somebody cares, uh, you know. And I mean, that goes back to the whole idea of, of, of doing it through social media, which you can control largely. I mean, you can control your narrative when you put it out there on Facebook. You can control, you know, your Twitter feed. You can control all those things, and you can, you can build a consistent message, a consistent brand. And again, at that point, um, you know, you're worth talking about, and uh, you're worthy of the, of the press that you're trying to get. And we're using, we're talking about different platforms, really. We have a platform for PR, and Newswire is a platform, social media is a platform, Bill's system is a platform. So there's, there's a platform, but what you just brought up is huge. We, we can do ourselves a lot of damage if we're not really clear on the brand. Um, and, and many, many charities don't even get it. So thank you for introducing that topic. Who will you call on to go next? Well, I mean, we're getting a little slim here. So, uh, hey, Bill, what's up? Well, you know, I'm echoing what you guys said. Um, <clears throat> I would say two things that people come to us for that are somewhat frustrating. One is that there's a lot of concern about what their, their piece, their media looks like. We have a lot of people that want to spend a lot of money with photographers, with freelance designers, uh, trying to craft this beautiful piece that they can get out there on their website or on their direct mail. And, and that's fine. That's good. You need to have good branding. You need to be clear and consistent. But boy, people spend a lot of money they don't need to spend because if you've got the right message, tell on that story like Ashley and Shannon were just saying, to the right people, you got that database down. And with that consistency that Doug was talking about, the right message, right people, right rhythm, that way trumps all the money you spend on photography and graphic design. Now, you know, that doesn't help my company any because that's what we do. But honestly, we have clients who do it just as well with very simple pieces. They're consistent on message. They tell that story. Ashley, what you and Shannon were saying about telling the story of the impact of the person affected is, is so important. The other thing that we get a lot is people that want to do the blast. Do you guys remember Jim Collins, the uh, business writer that wrote uh, Good to Great Good and Bill DeLab? He had this analogy he called the, the plow horse versus the show horse. And we have clients that want to be a show horse. They want to make a big splash. They want to hit hundreds of thousands of people at once to, to, to get, uh, you know, donations flowing into their nonprofit. And it, it just doesn't work that way. It's like Doug was saying, it's the consistent message. It's like Shannon and uh, Ashley were saying, it's telling that story. You do that with rhythm. You do that to the right people. Keep that consistent logic. You're a plow horse. It's drip marketing. It's not, not splash. So uh, I would say those are the biggest issues we face is people that want to do the big blast and people that want to spend a lot of money on, artwork and design that they don't need to spend. Well, it occurs to me that having a real fancy piece can actually work against your, don your donations. It, it depends on your organization. Um, <laughs> we have clients that market every month with full color glossy pieces and do very well, but they're in peculiar niches. I would say for your average, you know, community nonprofit, then you're, you're right. You don't want to seem too, too glossy, too, too glitzy. I'm going to come back around and ask you to weigh in on how to, how to, how to, nonprofit directors are overburdened, they're overworked, the burnout rate is 45%, and they're really stretched, and, and 
most of them make too little money. And, and when so they go to their board and say, we need to develop a PR program. We need a budget for that. So what I want to go back around with, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Russ to weigh in while you're thinking on your answers. How do executive directors make a pitch to their board? Because like you've pointed out, we can't do this one and done. It's, it's a continual ongoing effort that's going to really pay dividends. And, and Bill, I think your studies show that the donations go up so that it really offsets the cost of the mailing they're doing because they <clears throat> donors remain loyal and more donors come in and donors donate more is, is the data I understand that you've, you've, you've gathered. And you have a track record for years with charities and they, they show this, this constant uptick because they follow your program. The ones that, the ones that do, I'm sure they're ones that don't, but is that right? Am I, am I remembering that right? So yes, that's correct. Great. Um, Russell, you've been taking all this in and making some notes while you're talking, um, panelists, if you would go to the chat and type in your website it, where we can send people to, we'll take that and we'll put it on the, the notes, type in your website where people can go. And if there's a place for them to go to connect with you or ask questions or have an interview, if, if there's, there's, you want to invite people to either email you or there's a place on your website, give me those two pieces of information if you would. Russell, um, there's some common themes here and you're, you're always really perceptive at, at pulling things out. Um, what are you hearing? Is this, you've worked in the, with, you work with nonprofits, but you've been in the saddle for many years uh, inside a nonprofit. Uh, respond to what they're saying tonight. Give us, give us a little, little uh, feedback on that. Well, you know, the, the idea that there's a magic bullet out there and that you can pull a rabbit out of, the, uh, out of a hat you know a lot of people fall into that trap and it just doesn't work you know the other thing is is having a pretty uh video pretty uh just polished uh piece or anything it, too much polish uh for a nonprofit creates that whole perception that they're operating under the theory that an ounce of image is worth a pound of performance uh people don't want pretty they want to know that you're effective they want to know that you're actually making a difference and they want to know that you know what matters to them. And so the message is really important. You got different people uh, who are in different places. And that, that's one of the things I was thinking about when, when people say, you know, I'm just not getting donors. And I talked to some folks last night in a discovery session that said, we've put things out there for fundraising, but we're just not uh, reaching people or we're getting people out there or the response uh, isn't what we hoped that it would be. So there's, there's work that needs to be done in reaching the right people and doing that on a consistent basis. It, some of it may be trial and error, but really understanding where your tribe is or who your donors are, what moves them, where they are, uh, where do they get their news? Are they still newspapers? Uh, are they still doing newspapers? Do they go on the internet? Uh, direct mail still works. Bad direct mail doesn't work, but direct mail still works. So it's how do you go out and touch uh, people? And I'll tell you the thing that I think about direct mail as, as an avenue 
you know, a lot of people are thinking everything's electronic. And so if you use direct mail, you saw at this point, you may be separating yourself from other people that are trying to get that attention because so few people are doing it and forgetting how effective it works. So it's, it's being in touch and talking to people about things that matter to them and staying in touch regularly. You know, every time if they if every time they get a letter from you, they know that you're going to ask them for money when they open it. They're going to stop opening your mail. <laughs> and you know, I did a donor series um, for my course. Uh, it's a three-part donor series, and I was I was looking at some of the recent numbers. You know, donor retention's down to about forty-five percent. So that means if you've got 100 people writing you a check this year, if it stays at that rate for the average nonprofit, you've got to find 55 more people to write you a check to keep up with where you were last year. So it's in the face of keeping your regular customers. <laughs> so you have to do that. So the, the one thing that I would like to, to post to, to any of our experts here, because you guys are know all about this stuff is when it comes to to looking at where the donors are how can how can nonprofits be more effective at figuring out or doing the research to find out where their people are and where they might be and where they might reach them uh, and what platform that to, to do that on uh, how would you have them go about doing that research, especially if they're a small shop? Great question. Who wants to take that first? I've got a couple of comments on it. Okay. Um, this is Bill Gilmer for the people listening on the podcast. Russell, you were talking about uh, direct mail and the effectiveness. This is something that we track a lot because uh, many of our campaigns are print and direct mail centric, although not all of them. Nationally, the it's interesting that the number of donations given to nonprofits online has increased steadily over the last three years. People like the convenience of the online gift. However, it's only increased when the initial touch, or at least one of the touches, was a print piece, because print builds trust. The number of donations given from direct email solicitation has gone down steadily for the last three years. Hmm. Email alone does not build that trust. So the systems that we recommend for clients have a, a core print piece. It could be a postcard. It could be something simple, a letter. But it drives to a website. It's often followed by an auto-triggered email with a link. It gives people that convenience, the online gift, after the trust has been built by the print piece. So uh, you're right about direct mail still works. It works very well, but at the same, in the same breath, I would urge all nonprofits to have a very seamless, uh, user-friendly online giving experience. So uh, it's critical because that's, the, that's what's happening. Um, where to find donors? <laughs> the best list is your own list the best list, I mean, for most community nonprofits. Now, it's different when you're national, but if you community nonprofit, the person you bump into in the grocery store is a way better lead than any list acquisition that you do. You've got to have that database culture where everybody in your organization is constantly 
have the antenna up on the alert. They see Sally in the grocery store and Sally says, what are you doing these days? And it's, well, I'm working at the free clinic. You generate some excitement. You go back to the system. That person becomes a prospect. Now, that being said, you can also do data acquisition. What they've done with the artificial intelligence on big data just in the last eight to 12 months is, is mind boggling. We can identify people in the community that are likely donors in a way that we never could even a year ago, even two years ago, because this whole phenomenon of big data is collecting more and more data points on all of our transactions, all of our interactions that are electronic on the internet. And that data can be gathered, it can be culled, and can be purchased, and it's not expensive. So that gives you a secondary way, but it's not as good as the person you're running to in the grocery store. Great, good, good wisdom. Doug, how do people use your platform? Is there a way for them to do research, a way for them to target? Unmute myself there. <laughs> Doug Brown, Newswire, he's, he's on, he's live. <laughs> there we go. Um, so I'm gonna talk about uh, you know just something that is not just specific to my platform, but to every, you know, everything you do. And that is split testing. I mean, you have got to split test every single thing you do. Uh, so when you, uh, when you write something, uh, you know, and Bill just talked about, you know, the value of your own list. Well, I see so many people and we learned this the hard way with our business. You know, we've got, 50,000 people that have used Newswire, so we do some regular mailings around here. And and let me just tell you, when you go out to your any list, whether it's a cold list or a purchase list, and especially your own list, you need to be split testing all of your communications with them. And uh, I'm going to give you a, a real quick little rule of thumb, and I'll even put it into chat here that you can use and keep. And this is a way that you can, believe it or not, double your responses on every email you do, everything you do. So here's the formula. You take your list and write your two best subject lines, uh, the, the two you think that are the very best that you're going to do. You know, just, just brainstorm them. You're gonna miss, they're not always gonna be perfect, but, but if you'll just write two subject lines that are kind of different, and there's lots of uh, help you can get on writing subject lines, you know, whether it's a question or a statement or whatever it is, you know, you go online and, and research subject, line, subject lines. But whatever subject, subject line you think is best, uh, write another one. Get some more help and, and write another one. Then when it's the, the time to send your, your list out, send 10%. Now write this down, and I'll put it in, in, uh, in, in chat here so you don't have to if you're seeing that. But if you're listening, write this down. Send 10% 10, 10 of your list, your subject line A, and at the same time, send 10%, another 10% of your list, subject line B. Use the same uh, copy. So you, you've only got really one uh, copy in the whole thing at this point. So you're going to split test that later on. But 10% of, uh, of your list gets copy, uh, or gets subject line A. 10% gets copy B, or uh, subject line B. Both of them with the same copy. Then evaluate that, and, and you'll be amazed at how different your open rate is between two lines. I mean, uh, as good a job as you think you're doing, one of those two lines is going to have a way better open rate uh, than the other. The next thing you do is you take another 10% of your list, 
uh, and with that winning subject line, you put your copy B in it. In other words, the body of your email, do the second version of it. And in, your, in, your, uh, in the body, you're going to track the open rate. So, I mean, you, whatever your, your call to action is, you're going to track that. So the first time when you're talking about subject lines, the only thing you really are tracking is your open rate. The next thing you're going to do is, your, is track your, your action rate. So you're going to compare uh, your, you know, the rate of clicks in that, you know, in that third test that you do. You're going to use your winning subject line with your alternate uh, copy and track those changes. Now you've got 70% of your list uh, that you can email with the winning subject line and the winning copy. Just doing that little thing, which is going to take you an extra hour in the morning when you send your emails out, if that is going to double your response rate. And if you just get in the, in the habit of doing that with everything you do, whether it's uh, writing an article or, or sending an email or sending a postcard or whatever it is, if you just always start thinking about uh, split testing, you know, split test everything you do, you'll be amazed. You know, the way you look at the world is not the way everybody looks at the world. So, uh, you know, just because you're saying, that, man, that's got to be the best subject line ever. That's got to be the best call to action ever. You're just kidding yourself if you don't split test it. So, You've been looks, there, like, uh, looks like all of it has gotten put into chat already. So, uh, I won't put my little list in there, but you've got it right. So, 10%, 10%. Uh, then one more time with your, your new copy. And then 70, that leaves 70% of your list to get the best thing that you can put out there that day. On the Nonprofit Chat podcast, if, if they're opening the podcast, the copy will be there. Um, there's podcast notes, and we, we commonly post these notes in the podcast platform itself. Shannon Gronich, has the, she's the Media Magic Queen. Your book is Media Magic. You, you run businessaccelerationsummit.com which is uh, an, annual, uh, an event you do a few times a year, and you've done a good job of building out your own PR for that event. Uh, kudos to you. Now, do I remember that you've got a Media Magic live event coming up sometime soon? I do, August uh, 10th and 11th, right here on the ocean at the Crown Plaza Oceanfront. Love it. And this is Melbourne Beach, where that would be. Now, if you're listening yes. to podcasts and it's past August and uh, these are time, uh, timeless, you'll do these like, again, right? And where can people find out about the Media Magic Live events? Uh, if they go to Shannon Gronich, G-R-O-N-I-C-H forward slash M-M-I for Media Magic Intensive. And we hold your hand, walk you through creating your press, your press release. You actually leave there with a press release, uh, developing your power bio. And we have a team that uh, comes together to help you craft your story and a lot of other things. So it's a great event. ShannonGrunich.com slash MMI. And if you'll put that in the notes after you talk. So respond to this, this topic that we're, that Russ, that Russ threw out here. How do you do the research to find your tribe, your target? So, for me, I'm into events. So the first thing that came to mind when you asked that question is going to other fundraisers where there are people that are spending money and investing in nonprofits. So I find that's a great way to really see who's out there donating and what they're doing. Also finding joint venture partners. I just went and updated my driver's license yesterday and they showed me a list of 20 nonprofits 
and asked me if I wanted to donate. So I know that there are organizations that are out there that, that do contribute to nonprofits. So who can you collaborate with? Who can you partner with? Are there corporate partners? Um, I know we have a number of restaurants here where every single month they take the day to go out and, and donate um, to particular charities. So finding out uh, are there people that can be out there marketing on your, your behalf? When it comes to the technology stuff, I would definitely go to Bill or Doug or Ashley. Mine would be more of being out there rubbing elbows with individuals um, with events. Primary research. Ashley, Ashley Bernardi, it's bernardimedia.com. Nardimedia.com. Oh, sorry, Nardi, N-A-R-D-I. Sorry, my, my bad. So weigh in on this, will you please? <clears throat> yeah, so I love this topic and question. I think um, what Shannon said, for me, networking, networking, networking. Um, rub elbows with people, join different groups and organizations, um, whether it's you know, if there's like nonprofit entrepreneur groups for, you know, uh, nonprofit CEOs, find out who they're meeting with. Um, but also what Bill said is just, you really never know. Um, it's really interesting. It, it could be anyone. It could be someone at the grocery store. It could be somebody watching Channel 9 sitting at home, which is why, you know, Shannon and I can explain why, you know, getting media placements are so important. It really can be anywhere, um, especially if you are a local nonprofit Anyone who and, and, and if your if your nonprofit serves the local community, it could really be anyone in that community. You just really need to get yourself out there. And I, I believe I believe it's fully by going to networking events, joining net, networking groups, going to whether it's, you know, like happy hours or cocktail hours, whatever it is, but really getting yourself out there and talking to people and getting the FaceTime and explaining what you do and learning a lot about um, where they get their donors. But also another thing that Bill said is also your own donors are helpful as well. And you can always, you know, like ask them if you need to find out where they get their news, it, you can ask them. They get it everywhere. It's probably online, but it's, I, I don't think it can hurt to just ask your current donors as well. Like, Hey, what news, news organizations do you love to turn to? Cause I think that could give you a clue as well. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. I'm, <clears throat> I'm tonight. I'm demonstrating one of my key leadership principles that I teach. Leaders don't need to have all the right answers. They just need to ask good questions. So you guys are providing the content and I've, I'm asking you, thank you for affirming my questions, Ashley, several times. So let's go back around the topic that I, before I threw it to Russ for that question, how does a nonprofit executive uh, pitch their board on putting some money in their budget? Now, it would vary according to how much PR they need and, you know, if they hire a professional or they need to hire somebody to do it right because they're doing something different. And unless their expertise is PR, they should job it out. Um, somewhere with somebody that's going to give them a good return on that investment. And, and we're, we're talking to board members that have gotten into this scarcity thinking. We, we adopt and we use the word, it starts with the word nonprofit and it puts us people in this scarcity thinking mode. So what we want to do is give them some value. So how would you counsel people? Let's go backwards from Ashley and then we'll go to Shannon. Ashley, how would you help coach a nonprofit director or clergy to speak to their board about creating a budget to support a really good brand focused PR program. 
I love, yeah, I love that you asked this question. When you asked it earlier, I was like furiously writing notes because it's, I think it's really, really important. And there's so much value to having in-house PR. Um, the one thing that stood out to me was the planning in advance um, for events that you have, for registration, for participants that you need. You need to get the word out there. How are you going to do that if you don't have PR, how are you going to reach potential donors and, and um, potential registrants if you're not out there in the public or on, online and social media, but you know, for me, where my expertise is, it's in media publicity. If you're not building relationships with reporters now, three months prior to your event, letting them know it's coming down the pipeline, letting them know that you have a CEO can be, who can be a sources for potential stories that they might be working on and related to the subject uh, matter and expertise of your nonprofit. So that's my case one is like the planning and really um, strategically planning your media outreach and placements. There's so much value to that because it will help you raise awareness tenfold and even prior to the event, potentially as a source and helping a reporter out with a story. Um, the other, you know, several, I think these are very obvious to me, um, but a PR plan and a PR um, person would build, help build your following, help build your donors, build your credibility by getting these media placements. It builds credibility and trust with the public. Um, and that's something that really helps donors. And I know a lot of the nonprofits that I work with, um, the news, news, um, outlets that I get them placed in, they get really excited because they're like, Oh, we're going to show our donors. We can't wait to show our donors. Um, it builds that credibility and trust. So they keep donating. Right. Um, it also drives registration to events, having a, a an effective PR plan in place and um, and also um, it just it builds your expo exposure and following tenfold whether it's um, online or, or uh, on social media or print placements it's just spreading the message and word out about your company uh, and doing so with a strategic plan and I think it's really really important that I say strategic plan because a lot of <laughs> I've had this happen to me nonprofits come to me and say I have an event happening next week I want to get media local media placements and I'm like no it's it, it's too late it's not going to happen we have it's, it's just not going to happen we um, you have to start planning for these events if it's a if it's a ball if it's a race if it's a walk it's a run you need to have a PR person in-house PR person saying okay what photo what media assets do we have what bios do we have ready who are our spokespeople who are the people um, who um, the, the real human interest people the stories that we can start telling to the media this all takes very strategic planning and it's better that you start it way in advance than than doing it you know a fire drill and not getting any media placements so that's why Ashley I wish you could get a little excited about your work <laughs> I you love are, my work I love my <laughs> you're so yeah I, I see that you're so passionate so uh, Shannon how do you coach people to talk to their board about creating this this budget piece uh, that was great Ashley thank you Thanks. Um, well, the first thing I would say is what business succeeds without investing in marketing? I mean, does any business ever succeed if they don't invest in um, getting money out there, you know, getting in front of uh, marketing? Um, they bootstrap and it takes a long time. Most businesses that fail, they struggle because they don't have enough money or they don't have enough marketing. So for me, it's a, it's an easy investment. And to really, if I'm pitching the board, 
do my work to show them that, that it's an investment with somebody like Bill where they have the track record, they have the, you know, the, the experience and they can do that or Doug or each person, you know, really pulling together so that they can see that this is a type of um, investment that will get returned. Sorry, I'm going to go to the next person. Yeah, she's, um, she's had had some throat issues. So, um, Doug, Newswire.net. I, I neglected to mention, mention earlier that Newswire is a sponsor of Center Vision. And do you know, in the last uh, 18 months, we have impacted 500 charities with live events around the country. And part of what you and Bill do, sponsoring uh, Center Vision, has made that possible. So, thank you for that. Um, so, your platform is not expensive compared to the competition but you you have a they do it or you have a done for you as well so how do you coach people in putting in enough money so they can do enough pr so they can actually see what shanna talked about this roi well you know i i'm gonna i'm gonna not pretend here i'm just tell you the absolute truth we just really don't have that level of 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 contact and granularity with with the people that we really deal with we're just really kind of a publisher but as a business guy what i would say is hopefully you've got people on your boards and uh that, that have had some success in business and i just go back to what both uh ashley and shannon said and that is you know you just have to stop you know take the nonprofit out of the equation and say this is a business for heaven's sakes and uh, you know businesses have to conduct themselves in a certain manner and whether you call it uh, you know customers or clients or donors you know it's really kind of all the same uh, you know you have to have a strategic plan you know Ashley described a lot better than I did earlier on what branding is and that is you know no fire drills fire drills don't work it has to be something that's uh, strategic and uh, planned out over a period of time and I'll call that branding I'll still call that branding a little bit but Ali actually gave a great description of what I think of when I say branding and that is being consistent in a message uh, defining who you are making sure everybody knows who you are and frankly if you're not doing that you know you're gonna be part of the failure statistic whether you're for-profit or not for, for profit unless you have a plan and are executing well on your plan. Uh, you know, I guess there's a few lucky exceptions out there to every every rule, but the rule is, you know, you have to have a brand and you have to build a brand and it's a long uh, process. It has to be part of your budgeting. It has to be part of everything you do. Absolutely, and and I'll disagree with you a little bit. I um, I think Newswire, and I've not been effective at using it because I'm, uh, I, I've gone to other things and I did not do what we're talking about here, get somebody to manage it for me. But when I, I used it, um, when we started the magazine, I was, I was amazed at the reach of, of the messages. So it's, it's and, and you don't let us create the same message and do it again. So your editors look at it very carefully and make sure the message is very good. So I, I would say that combined with some of these other things, using a, a tool like Newswire to make sure that there's a broad set of impressions as well would, would, complement the, the the what you call the granular piece so I well like what, I, what i meant by by we're not granular is you know we don't you know our service costs a you know a hundred bucks or less every time we do something so we serve people that do public relations rather than you know meeting with boards and telling them why they ought to do public relations does that make sense so I I, what i'm what i mean by that is 
we're just a step back from meeting with boards and telling you know we, we don't pitch pr campaigns we're a tool that people use to execute on their pr campaign you're a part That's of package got it you're part of the package that shannon or ashley would take to clients or i would take to clients got it got it all right so bill gilmer weigh in on this question please we have a simple little tool that we give executive directors to use with their board it's simply an excel spreadsheet that shows the various touch points throughout the year includes the events, it includes maybe the website revamp, it includes maybe an appeal mailing or two, the, the, the e-newsletter, whatever those touch points are. Quantities with response rates, with average gifts, so that it can project an ROI. And we have found that board members love this when they can see it in black and white. Again, we adjust the scope to fit whatever budget works. Uh, just a funny little story, uh, up till about eight years ago, I was the chairman of a small struggling nonprofit. Uh, I'm a late bloomer, I have teenage girls. And at that time they were in this small private academy that was struggling. And they elected me chair of the board because they thought I could help. Well, I did what I do, I've created this spreadsheet, I had had the items for the e-newsletter, for the uh, couple of fundraising appeals, it had some uh, the website work, the events. And we plugged it in and we couldn't even afford to touch 500 people regularly. So we just, I mean, using an outfit like ours. So we divided it up among ourselves. Take an average fundraising appeal. We had 500 people, we had 10 board members. We gave each of them 50 people. And we said, okay, here's the rhythm. We're gonna touch these people every May and every November. And you're in charge of these 50 people and you're gonna make those copies from the letter we write and you're gonna provide the postage and that's why you're on the board. <laughs> And so we started with literally no outlay to the school. We got somebody to volunteer to do the website, to upgrade it. We had one board member who volunteered to uh, pay the monthly $35 to Constant Contact and do the e-newsletter. So we got that little operation off the ground with very little uh, outlay to the organization. And over time, by about three years, it started snowballing. And, and today they're, they're doing you know, fundraising, it's self-sustained and it's working great. So yeah, this little Excel tool, this ROI, return on investment, really helps people see what they need to do, figure out whether they can afford it. Once they start getting some real data and they can plug in the actual response rate, the actual average gift, then they have a tool moving forward as to whether they can increase the scope or they need to decrease it. It just becomes a helpful tool and we find that board members like that. It's in black and white and it's actual. Novel concept, give them facts to make fact-based decisions. I'm gonna ask you to each to a summary statement. What's a tip about PR you'd like to leave with people? And I wanna, I wanna while you're thinking of the tip, I wanna talk about the sponsor for this podcast is United Methodist Church Cyber Campus, UMC Cyber, C-Y-B-E-R campus.com. There are, if it's Christian-based leadership learning, online learning, and it's really good. Um, as a matter of fact, Center Vision's programs for, for if you belong to ASAE, if, you, if you're Association of HR Professionals, if you're United Methodist Clergy, if you belong to an association and you have to have continuing education credits, the Center Vision program qualifies for that. You can find that at umccybercampus.com. And with their support of Center Vision, we're able to produce these events. 
So thank you, UMC Cyber Campus. So let's go around and have a summary statement with each, each of you, just a, a sentence or two of what's a tip or, or what's a wish for people or what's a closing thought that you want to leave with people? And Ashley, would you go first? I'd love to, thank you. So I think my closing thought and the overall theme here, and it goes back to what I think it was Bill that started with is know your message, really get down to your message. It's so important. I work with so many people where we really boil down their message and make sure it is consistent and the same. And that's on all platforms, but especially in interview formats, because um, if your message is clear and concise, it has a better chance of being remembered, and it has a better chance of being told in the way that you want it to be told, which I'm assuming is in a positive way. So, um, you know, just really the first thing that you can do, and especially before you go out there and get media placements, is get right on your messaging. Make sure it's positive, it's clear, it's consistent, and it's the same across all formats. Ashley Bernardi, nardimedia.com. Thank you for being on this, this session tonight. Thank you. Shannon, what's your closing thought? Um, I was gonna see if we could get Bill and some of the individuals to say their information for the podcast, because I was listening to Bill and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I. I messaged my reverend on Facebook going, you need to be listening to this, this chat. So maybe having, um, if we can, or somehow giving people access to, to each other. So my closing thought is when you have the message, make sure you schedule time for your marketing. We get so busy in our day-to-day -day running the business, building the, you know, the nonprofit that really either hiring somebody to help you or scheduling that time because I've literally seen one article well, not one article, one press release that got published in multiple articles, take an event from 500 to 2,000. And that's the impact that you can have when you plug into media. Great. Shannon Grunich, Shannon Grunich, G-R-O-N-I-C-H dot com. Thank you for being here tonight. Bill Gilmer, Word Sprint. What's your closing thought? Well, it's no surprise. <laughs> My closing thought is, that it's all about the right message to the right people with the right rhythm. And I think that if you apply that formula, keep focused on that with laser focus. That's the secret. Wordsprint.com. Thank you, Bill Gilmer, for being here. Doug Brown, what's your closing thought? My closing thought is uh, that if you have something that, you know, I, my my closing thought is you ought to hire Ashley or Shannon to be your publicist, <laughs> and you know, and if it's not those two, then find somebody that's good that can do it on a regular basis. If you can't afford, you don't have a budget yet for something like that, I'm going to give you the closing tip, and it's probably the best tip I've got to give anybody that that has to do PR, and that is write up one sheet about uh, whatever it is you're trying to get done. Make sure you answer the five W's, who, what, where, when, why. Uh, tape it to a box of donuts and walk it down to your local media. Take it to, you know, take it down to the media, down to the radio station, TV station. Tape your, your one sheet, easy, five W about what you're doing. Tape it to a box of donuts and drop it off the receptionist. 
That's the best tip I've got. <laughs> no budget PR. Not budget. Russell, um, you want to give us a, a thought as, you're, as we're leaving this? We're, we're over time, but it's okay. It's really good content. I put that site up there, Days of the Year Calendar. There's some really phenomenal things in there. My closing thought is that you need to be top of mind all the time and be out in front of people the best way that you can. And uh, that means being out there consistently. So that top of mind calendar is something that can help you do that. And <clears throat> Bill said it before, sometimes it's sweat equity. You got to use what you have. Uh, but you can't afford not to get out there and toot your own horn. And this is something that nonprofit folks don't want to do. They feel like they're being salesy. But, you know, if nobody knows about your services, nobody's going to use them. Uh, and there's nobody that's going to pay for them. So you have to be out there top of mind. And uh, so this was wonderful. I love all of you folks, uh, the, the stuff that you provided here. Thank you all again for all of the wonderful insights. Uh, and it is, it's all about messaging and being consistent and being out there. So we're, we're out here trying to make the case for folks to do that every day. And uh, hopefully they'll get there. Thank you all for sharing your wisdom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.